Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. I want to draw your attention um, today actually to uh, our second reading from St. Paul to the Romans. And in this reading from chapter 5, St. Paul is giving us uh, some information about salvation, Uh, some really helpful information, because I think as Catholics, uh, oftentimes we get this wrong, sometimes uh, really, really wrong, (laughs) in terms of our basic understanding of how salvation works. So St. Paul has this sort of triple phrase that he uses in the reading today. He says, in the first place, Christ, while we were still helpless, yet died at the appointed time for the ungodly. And then he says that Christ, while we were still sinners, died for us. And then he said, while we were enemies of, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So while we were helpless, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. Right. So what is, what is St. Paul saying here? Well, I think for many Catholics, if you were to sort of paint a scenario for them where they die and they arrive at the pearly gates and St. Peter says, you know, why should I let you in? I think many Catholics, the answer that they would give would be, oh, because I was like a decent person. I was a good person. I didn't, you know, I didn't really go off the rails, didn't kill anybody. I didn't do anything too crazy, right? Uh, And that would be their answer for why they should be let into heaven. Now, there's a tiny kernel of truth in that response, but 99% of it is just dead wrong. (laughs) It is absolutely wrong as to why we should be let into heaven, right? To give an analogy and then try and tie them together, if you were to ask somebody on death row, If you were to ask them, hey, do you have any plans to try and get out of death row, to be released from prison? Uh, And they would say, yeah, my plan is to not break the law. You kind of scratch your head and and say, I'm not really sure, like, (laughs) not breaking the law while you're here in this prison cell on death row is actually going to get you released from death row. I'm not sure that that's how that works, right? Well, you arrive at the pearly gates and St. Peter says, why should I let you in? And you say, oh, because I was a good person, I did good things, I didn't do anything too terrible. The responses there are, are, are very similar. What's the problem here with this understanding of, of salvation, of how we get to heaven? The problem is that When you and I were conceived, we were conceived in original sin. 
And that is an infinite gap between ourselves and God that no amount of good deeds can bridge. There's just it doesn't matter how good of a person you are, how kind you are, how virtuous you are, it's not gonna it's not gonna bridge the gap. Alright, sin is an inf- an offense against an infinite being. You as a finite being and I as a finite being cannot cannot heal that. We cannot bridge that gap. The only way for that to be bridged is for God Himself to do something. That's it. That is the only solution. For the person on death row, what is the only way that they can be released from from that fate? If somebody else, and some of you who are lawyers can correct me on the particulars here, but typically I believe either a governor or the president himself grants them a pardon and releases them from that fate. It requires the action of somebody else. The person on death row, they are completely helpless to save themselves from that fate. What does St. Paul say here? While we were helpless, while we were helpless to get to heaven, utterly helpless to be saved, what happened? God did something. He sent His Son to die for us. If you get to the pearly gates and St. Peter says, why should I let you in? Your answer is because Jesus washed me with His blood. That is the answer. Not because I was a decent person. Right? No matter how great you might be, you, you cannot bridge that gap yourself. I was listening recently to um, uh, a testimony on YouTube of a guy named Dan Burke. Uh, one of the best things that I've watched in years. Uh, oftentimes people will send me YouTube links, Father, hey, you should check this out or whatever. And I'm sorry if this is you, but <laughs> oftentimes I put it in a folder in my email, like things to read and watch. And I'm not sure if I've actually ever gone into that, <laughs> gone into that folder in several years. Um, so I'm sorry, like, it's, it's just sort of oftentimes you don't have time. Um, but this one uh, YouTube link this person sent me to Dan Burke's uh, testimony, which he gave a month or two ago at a Catholic Answers event. And Dan Burke's been involved in different things in the Catholic world for a few decades. Um, and I have a lot of respect for him, and he's written some good books and things. Uh, and they said, you absolutely have to watch this. This is one of the best things I've seen in years. And, I I trusted this person's opinion, so I watched it, and it absolutely is one of the best things I've seen in years. Just incredibly moving testimony. If you get a chance to, I think within a few days it had like a million views, but Dan Burke is his name, go watch it. But one of the stories that he told as he's recounting his life is that his father was dying, and his father had, had no religious background at all, and he of course, in his zeal had tried over the years to have many, many, many conversations with his father um, to sort of open a door, hoping that his father would come to know the Lord and the church. Uh, and, and nothing seemed to have, you know, the needle wasn't moving. But his father was dying and he was there at his bedside. 
And he was trying, you know, sort of the last time, like, Dad, you know, would you give some consideration to the Lord, you know? And, uh, and his dad apparently was a very gruff man. Oh, like, <laughs> son, uh, I'm a, you know, I've, I've lived a decent life, you know, I've, I treated your mother fine, and, you know, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't feel like I need that, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Dan Burke had the, the most perfect line to his dad. He said, he said, Dad, being a good person doesn't solve the problem of sin. Being a good person doesn't solve the problem of sin. Right? Big sin, small sin. We are helpless. <laughs> we are helpless to solve that problem because it is an offense against an infinite God. It requires a willingness to be saved. We cannot do it ourselves. When you meet Catholics or, or other believers, uh, if I can make a gross generalization here, I'm going to put everyone for a moment into two groups. <laughs> One group is believers who really have 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 grasped and believed that they have been saved by someone else. That Jesus has come down through no merit of their own, died for them, and offered them this free gift of salvation, and they've said yes. That group of people has, uh, you know, to varying degrees, the possibility of a deep, deep, deep joy. Deep joy. And then the other group is those who, whether they realize it or not, have been operating their whole life within Christianity or Catholicism under this illusion that salvation is something that they're going to achieve because they're a decent person. The joy available to somebody in that group is about this big, right? It's about this big. When we really open ourselves to this reality of, I, I'm helpless, but God loves me, and He's come to save me. The joy you can have from, from being saved, really knowing that, it's unlimited. The other way, nah, there's not much, there's not much joy there, right? Being good doesn't solve the, the problem of, of, of sin, right? Oftentimes when I go to hospitals, it becomes clear after a minute or two, talking with somebody that they haven't practiced the faith for years. Sometimes they admit it. Sometimes you have to sort of like ask them some questions. Um, and often if, if, that, if that's the case, they'll say, oh, do you want to make a confession? And <laughs> I would say like at least half the time, half the time people are like, yeah, Father, like I should probably go to confession. Half the time though, uh, the response is, oh, I don't think I really need it. I'm a decent person. Like I don't, you know, I haven't done anything too bad, right? If somebody ever gives me that response, what I'm kind of thinking in, inside is that, okay, well, you at least could confess pride, <laughs> um, right? 
And most of the time when somebody tells you they're a decent person, they're actually not that decent, uh, to be frank. Because the, the greatest people who have ever lived uh, saw their flaws the most clearly. Uh, they were the most humble. Uh, they were the quickest to admit their faults. Um, and again, what joy there is when we admit <laughs> that we can't save ourselves, we are completely helpless, but then, oh, what's this? God Himself comes down, offers His life for me, and then says, I will save you if you let me. Right? And so, so our task is, is every day to say yes to that. Now, in conclusion, I'll say that that one little kernel that I referenced earlier of truth in the person's response when they, you know, St. Peter said, why should I let you in? They say, oh, I was a decent person. I didn't do anything terrible. There's a tiny kernel of truth in that, which is that once we've been saved through baptism, we've been washed clean of original sin and personal sin, well, then we do have to cooperate with God's grace to sin no more, to persevere in the gift of salvation that we've received. We have to persevere in that. If the man on death row is pardoned by the governor or the president and he's released, he's free, and he goes back out in the world, well, at that point, he does need to make sure to not break the law again. <laughs> Otherwise, he's going to end up back in death row. He has to persevere in the free gift that he's been given in that pardon so that he doesn't fall back into the place he was before. Same with us. We're given this free gift of salvation and baptism, and we have to persevere to not fall back into mortal sin so that we are once again enslaved and we've lost the gift of salvation. Now, of course, the good news is that where somebody on death row may only be able to be pardoned once, if they end up back on death row, I, I don't know how the law works, but it would surprise me if they got a second pardon. Well, God is much more merciful than that. Um, praise Him, because if we are given the gift of salvation and we go and and we throw it away through serious mortal sin, well, all we have to do is come back and ask Him for another pardon in the sacrament of confession. And as long as we're sorry, even to the smallest degree, He will, of course, grant us a new pardon. Thanks be to God. But we need to never make the mistake of thinking that because we're a decent person, because we don't do anything too terrible, that that's the reason why we're being let into heaven. No. no salvation is, is a, a complete and total gift. While we were still helpless, Christ died at the appointed time for the ungodly. Thanks be to Him for His great love for us.